Welcome to Online for Authors. I'm your host, Jennifer Palmer, and today I am so very grateful to have Terry M. Brown joining me. Welcome, Terry. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I'm so excited to be here with you. It's been so long that we've been talking about doing this and we're finally here. Yeah, you know, sometimes life kind of gets in the way, doesn't it? (laughs) If we let it. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but we did let it in a good way. I mean, there was there were different things that definitely we needed to make priorities in our lives. And we did that. And I think that 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 feels good coming together now. Yes, it does. It's perfect timing. Yeah. So you're the author of a book called Sunflowers Beneath the Snow. Yes. Yes. It came out in January. It's my debut. So January of this year? This year. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's been a big year for you. It has been a big year. Yeah, it came out in January. And what's crazy, it's a book about Ukrainian women, three generations of Ukrainian women. And it came out three weeks before the current Ukrainian crisis. Oh, my God. So the timing is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And two, I've noticed that what you've done, actually, as a result of what's happened uh, with the Ukrainian conflict is that you've used your book to raise funds toward the cause. Yeah, I, I felt like, you know, the the timing was so incredible. And of course, not of my own doing, you know, I, I didn't know it was coming. And I certainly didn't plan the release of the book around it. But because they coincided the way they did, I felt like I had this opportunity to kind of spread awareness a little bit about what was going on in Ukraine today, yeah. uh, through my book, and then using some of the, um, the proceeds to help with the rebuild of Ukraine, you know, in the future. So So how is it that you came to be involved with that, that charity and, and, and being able to do, uh, you know, the sales of your book toward, toward that? How did that come about? So my book is very, very loosely based off of a story that a Ukrainian girl that I knew told me in 2016. And I took that little tiny bit of truth and I wrote 82,000 words of fiction so that I could tell that little grain of truth at the end. And of course, when the war started, she knew that I had written the book and then she has been devastated about the war in Ukraine. She lives here in the States now. Um, She's not seen her family in eight years, though her mother and her sister just came to the United States uh, a week and a half ago. And I got to see the video and it was like I cried for hours. But anyway, she contacted me at probably about a month into the war. And she was telling me how she had gathered together a group of artists who were donating part of their proceeds, not everything because she understood that artists did need to make a living too, but that they had all agreed to a particular portion or a percentage or, or whatever on certain pieces of art. And I, you know, I told her, wow, that's fantastic. What do you need from me? And she said, we need your book. And so I started donating proceeds of my book to the foundation that she recommended having been way more, she, she knows what the different organizations are doing and which ones are, are being effective. And so I just kind of followed her lead 
And I figured she wouldn't, she wouldn't put me astray and have me put money towards something that wasn't actually helping. So, yeah, that is just goosebumps when you were saying about how her family has come over just recently. Oh, I saw the video as she's waiting in the airport. She had someone who had the, the, you know, camera on her and you could see, you know, they have a line on the floor and she keeps inching toward that line. And whoever had the camera at one point said her name, her name's Xenia. And they said, Xenia, <laughs> because she was, she was inching forward and her sister got to her first and she threw her arms around her sister. And then the mother came up and they're like all in one big ball. You can hear them crying. Mm -hmm. The mother kept running her hands up and down Xenia's arm and across her back. And as a mother, I, I know what she was. I'm going to get all choked up. I know what she was thinking. You know, I could, I could feel it because I can imagine if this was my child I hadn't seen in eight years. What would I be doing? Well, she's checking on all the pieces and parts. Is she there? And, you know, oh, yes, that's my daughter, you know. And it was, well, I cried. I cried and I cried. I sent her a, a text message. Um, I told her that, you know, I said, I, I feel like I need to shout this from the rooftops. And she said, well, tell everyone that the real life Iona, Aww. and that's, that's what she calls herself now, that the real yeah. life Iona has just seen her mother for the first time in eight years. So I did, I put it out on my Facebook and I, I uh, grabbed just a, a still shot of the video and just said, you know, it's a great day when the real life Iona can see her mother again for the first time in eight years. And so, it, yeah, truly amazing. And I feel like I know her mother, but the mm. mother that I created in my book is completely in my head. Like it has no resemblance to her whatsoever, but I feel like I know her anyway. Right. So, and yeah. the really cool thing is, is I live in North Carolina and Xenia is moving to North Carolina and I'll get to meet her mother shortly. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. Is that just amazing? Is that amazing? That's, so now I'm going to re I'm going to meet the real life Betsy. <laughs> Okay, so let's do this. You're okay. As Sunflowers Beneath the Snow is a historical fiction. Yes. And the, there's three main characters and yes. they're related women. So three right. generations of Ukrainian women. Um, and you talk about the political situation that you've used for the setting. So the story starts in 1973. And at that point, Ukraine is part of the Soviet Union. So we see a lot of what was it like to live during that portion of Ukrainian history when, you know, everyone was under Soviet rule. Um, and so the main character at that point is Ivana. And Ivana is a party loyalist. Um, her husband is was a spy, but she didn't realize it. And he was compromised. He was forced to um, flee the country. But the choice he was given was you can die right here or you can flee. But if you flee, you have to leave your family. And then his family was told a story that he had died and had um, essentially cheated on her and been killed. And so she lives with this horrible knowledge that the man that she loved, you know, was killed by a jealous husband. And 
she becomes a strong party loyalist because it's the only thing in her life that she can count on. And even at a point later in the story where she really can't even count on it anymore, she's starving to death and freezing to death. She still is completely like part of this party because she doesn't know what else to do. Well, then we go and and the next generation is her daughter and her daughter has a little bit of the same spirit that her dad had. And so she wants to see, you know, Ukraine free. Um, And so she and her mother are butting heads all the time over, you know, like what should be happening. And then we get to the next generation with which is Yvetsi's daughter, Iona. And Iona looks at the whole situation like teenagers do, which is what's the big deal? We're free. What more do you want? And yeah. so, so we see these, these three generations of women who love one another and have the, the bond of family, but who see life so differently because of the different things that they've seen. And along the way, then you also see Ukraine go from Soviet rule to early independence to later independence, all the way up to when Russia invaded in 2014. It's a fabulous story. I, I remember when I look back at what I've read, because it's been a month or so uh, since I've read the uh, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow. And I look back and there's some situations where my guts just turn and just what we accept when we don't know that there's the possibility of something different. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it's, I was unaware of really, I mean, I have blinders on with regards to what the situation was and is in Ukraine. Exactly. You know, I, I didn't, did not realize that you talk about bread lines and you talk about burning chairs to heat a room. It's like, you're burning your furniture? <laughs> what? Huh? Be- well, because the furniture was way less important. You know, you start to put things in order of importance. What's more important, staying warm or a couch? Well, staying warm. So, you you know, what's more important, eating or, and, and, and it was down to things like staying warm, finding food. Selling things to trade for food. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, wow. I, you know, the majority of us, gratefully, will never. Never. No. Ever. Which is what I think is so amazing about literature is it allows you to kind of experience things that you're not going to be able to experience. I will never, ever, ever be able to live in a Soviet bloc country in the seventies because I didn't. (laughs) Right. Right. But, but I can experience it through books that explore those topics and I think that's what's so amazing about literature is you can explore, you can explore different cultures and, and different places and different times, different experiences. You know, um, I, I could be a male president in the 1860s and I could, you know, I could live 40 years from now, you know, and, and you get to experience these things that we just can't. You can't experience everything, but you can read about it and at least gain a better understanding through a character that is that has experienced it. Yeah, so. character development was great. Thanks. Especially three women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can be complex to build as a character to begin with. Um, that, but 
is that why you're drawn to historical fiction? Is because of the stories that can be wielded out of it? Or what is it that draws you there? So there's, there's a couple of things. Number one, I think that there's a lot of history that if we don't figure out, we're going to keep repeating. And so mm-hmm. historical fiction can kind of pull some of that out and say, hey, look, here's what could be happening if, you know, we don't want to go back to the Soviet breadlines. So let's take a look at some of what was going on and why. And then the other thing is, is I absolutely adore research. Like, I just, I'm a research junkie. I absolutely love research. And so I get to research junkie. Hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) I've been using that hashtag. Um, (laughs) But the idea that I can go in and do two things that I love, which is research and write, Mm. and then do it in a way that other people want to read it. Because a lot of times, I mean, history can be, extraordinarily dry yeah you know so you need to me the best way to learn history is through a story a good storyteller I've had history professors that were amazing storytellers and they you followed right along and it was history but you felt more like you were you know chapter two of the next story, right? And that's the way you felt about it when you were in class. And then I've also had the history professors that were so boring that it was like, you didn't care what happened. And so I think that, that, yeah, I like that idea of being able to take something I love, which is history, but turning it into something that people will want to pick up and want to digest and walk away now with an understanding that they didn't have before, but in a fun way where they'll want to talk about it with their friends instead of, you know, oh, yeah, I listened to this horrible, boring lecture on what happened during the 1970s in Ukraine. Yeah, you don't even bother talking about it. No, (laughs) no. uh, Don't worry about it. Don't worry. It was just a class. I had to take this class, you know, and, and it's usually those kinds of lectures aren't terribly fun. And sure, you get some information, but not even in a way that you know what to do with it. But I think literature has that opportunity to allow you to kind of like you be or at least I do when I read, I become the character, you know, and so therefore I'm experiencing these things at least at least while I'm reading. And now I've kind of internalized it. And so I've taken some of this information and I know a little more about myself, maybe, and how I might react in that situation or it just causes you to think in different ways. So that's, I, that's really why I like historical fiction. Now, I love all fiction. But for me, the writing of the historical fiction, being able to take that research junkie kind of idea, and then the fact that I love to write and put them together is just, you know, like, what could be better? Well, the other thing that I, I believe from conversations that we've had, is that there's that empathy element too. Yes, well, incorporate into the delivery of your story. You know what? Yeah, what's interesting is, is I don't think I recognized it when I was writing it, but people started talking about it. And then I realized, you know, that is happening. And I do believe that. And wow, I can't, I I did it, you know, like I did that without even trying. But if you, if you get to know someone in a group. So let's, you know, take it outside of, of reading and writing at the moment. But if you, if you don't know something about a particular group, and maybe you've heard things or whatever, and you've made a decision that you like or dislike this group, well, if you dislike this group, 
if you get to know someone from that group, you now have one of two decisions to make. Either that that person is an exception to the rule or your rule about that group is wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. The more people you meet from that group that are exceptions to the rule, the more likely it is that you're going to have to change your rule or you're going to have to live in some kind of horrible cognitive dissonance where you just, you know, (laughs) where you believe this thing and, and this thing and they don't match, right? Well, literature can help you meet those people. Yeah. You know, I'm not very likely to meet too many Ukrainian citizens. I live on the coast of North Carolina. Um, We're not a very diverse group here. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the people who retire here look like me. I mean, there's not a lot of differences, right? And so I'm not likely to meet too many Ukrainian people. So if I know nothing about what's going on in the Ukraine, and all I get is some news, I might say, oh, what a shame, how sad for them. But I'm not going to get much further than that. Yeah. You know, when, when people are wanting to, to you know, raise money and, and get you to donate things, and I'm probably not going to get too overheated about it because I don't know anything about them and I'm not involved and I'm not connected, right? Yeah, it has not developed the level to warrant compassion. Exactly. And it's not that I'm, you know, like anti anything. I just haven't. Yeah. It's like, oh, those poor people, pat, 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 and you move on with your life Mm -hmm. because it isn't directly affecting me. Well, after reading my book, I've had people send me messages like I now have friends in the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have a friend in the Ukraine and I do, because of course I know Xenia and her, her family's there. The war there has meant a lot to me. I pay attention. I follow what's going on. I'm donating because I know someone. Well, if my book can help people know someone, if they can develop some empathy, then when they have an opportunity to help or to do something, they now have empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. And so I think this can happen for, for an event like this war. It can happen for things like... Uh, if if there's a group of people that that you know there's like discord between them that you start to develop relationships with these people that are not like you in some way and then you have to start breaking down those barriers you develop an empathy for their plight or their situation or what they're going through or or whatever and it changes now how you're going to interact in your real everyday life. Yeah. Versus the indifference, right? Yes. Yes. I think there's a lot of indifference in the world. And I, and the reason that it exists, it's not because we're horrible humans, but because we can only take in so much. We're overwhelmed. We're over. Oh yeah. There's, there's so many things. I mean, you know, if you sat down and started listing all of the things that you could be concerned and worried about, well, oh. you'd never get anything done during the day. So you have to kind of become a little bit disinterested. <laughs> but I think literature helps kind of pull you back into having a different feeling about what is happening in your world. I just feel like there's there's such a place for that, to develop that empathy and that compassion that you you might not otherwise get. Yeah. And in the form of fiction, you know. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's so really, when you think about it, with because it's fiction, and you know it's fiction when you pick up the book, it says, you know, historical fiction, right? Like, you know what you're getting. Yeah. It's not in any way, like, threatening or scary. It's not anyone who's real. Nobody is going to make any judgments about you. You know, you can read it for the joy of reading. And while that's happening, you're developing empathy and compassion, but nobody has forced it down your throat. Nobody has made you, you don't have to worry. You know, it's, it's done very, just very gently. And I, I just love it. I think I really do. I, well, but I've been a reader since, well, before first grade, apparently my mom said I taught myself to read. I don't remember not reading and books have always helped me make friends and and understand people and situations and I just think that that reading is a wonderful way of of developing compassion and empathy and understanding and and helping kind of to dispel some of the ugliness that can happen in the world especially through things like indifference or just or just misunderstanding so huge yeah everybody needs to be reading all the time all kinds yeah. of different material too. Like oh, I agree. And nonfiction, every kind of genre out there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've been very lucky uh, to be able to pick up all kinds of different material, both audio and in print form. And it, I've, I'm a different person as a result of who I've been exposed to and what I have taken in in story form. Exactly. Most definitely. There was a point in my life where I did not read fiction at all. Not at all. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's definitely a lot to be said about reading fiction along mm-hmm. with fiction. Now, in the year, well, not even a year, not even a year, no. about eight months of being yep. a published author. Mm-hmm. What can you say? Okay, number one, why did you write a book? Why? What made you decide to finally publish a book? I have voices in my head (laughs) that had a story that desperately needed to be told. And I went through a a very long period of my life where I was living in an emotionally abusive relationship where I didn't feel capable. And when I got out of that relationship and kind of got myself healed and recognized that I had you know, more ability than I had allowed myself to believe. Those voices were so insistent that I thought, fine, I'm going to give it a try. And once I got started, it's almost like an addiction because now I, you know, it's like, oh, I've got to write. I I have to write, you know, these voices. And I, you know, it sounds like I need to be medicated, but I have, (laughs) I have stories, you know, and I'll see something that happens and a story comes to mind immediately. Like I create stories and I think I've been doing it my whole life. I just didn't recognize what I was doing. But now that I've got this outlet for writing, it's like, oh, that's why I have these stories is because they need to come out. Yeah. You know, I have a character right now. Her name's Maggie. She's talking in my head and I keep saying, I know, I know we're getting to your story. I promise, you know. <laughs> So there is another book coming out. Uh, give us the title because I don't have it handy. An okay, enemy- it's yeah, an enemy like me. Okay, I, did, I was getting it almost right. Yeah. So, in in the time between publishing your first book and now yeah. your second book coming out, mm-hmm. what are you doing differently? I am marketing. I am pre-marketing. Yeah. I didn't even know to market. 
So I'm, I'm the probably like poster child for not putting your book out correctly because mm -hmm. I, I got it published and it was on Amazon and I woke up that morning and I waited with my little arms folded for my sales to roll in. And of course, that's not the way it works because there are millions of books on Amazon and the likelihood that someone is going to accidentally come across sunflowers beneath the snow without any knowledge that it's there or any knowledge about what it's about is it's ridiculous to even think about. And the fact that that's where I was just in January just blows my mind because I now understand that that's just not the way it's going to be. So with an enemy like me, I was told that I could get it out as early as the end of this month. And I said, absolutely not. I need a full three months so that I can get my editorial reviews. Yeah. So I can get my editorial reviews done before the book comes out so that I can do things like um, on the 20th, I'm having a big cover reveal um, yeah. so that I can go ahead and start getting like blog tours and, and bloggers to read my book ahead of time and tell them what dates I would like them to put their review out instead of them telling me, well, I could probably have it done in three months. Well, I mean, and, and it's been great. I'm not knocking that. I'm so thankful for people who were willing to do that for me after the fact. But I'm, I can be in charge this time. And I can say, so I've got a book, An Enemy Like Me, coming out. It's coming out January 24th. I would really like to start creating a lot of, of you know, talk about it, you know, starting about two weeks before and going to about two weeks after. Which of these days would you like to you know, if you would you like to review it? Great. Which of these days would you like to put it out on your blog so that I can like create my own buzz? Yeah. Same I can do it podcasts. ahead of time. And the yeah. podcasts, the yeah. same thing where, you know, I've been on several podcasts now for Sunflowers Beneath the Snow. And when I'm done with the podcast, I've been saying to the host, hey, you know, I've got another book coming out uh, mm -hmm. in January. Um would you be amenable to us, you know, chatting again about that book? And about two thirds of them have jumped on it immediately. And so, I mean, I'm already getting those lined up so that we can start talking about the book right away. Not that there's anything wrong with talking about the book eight months, nine months, 14 months later, but to create kind of this excitement around the fact that it's coming out I think I'm going to have a much better book launch with this second book because I have a, a clue what I'm doing. And I hope that when my third one comes out that I have an even better clue and that it gets just better, you know, but I knew nothing. When I started yeah. in January, I honestly knew nothing. This is what we call promote before you publish. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody is so eager to push the publish button that. Right. They, they don't really understand that, well, okay, now what? You don't, have you built any audience to deliver that to once you push publish? <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that there aren't, I mean, there are people who are talking about it, but I would say that most new authors aren't being told or haven't figured out or haven't known to look. <sighs> I was so busy writing 
and and going through that publishing process, which was just enormously overwhelming, mm -hmm. that I didn't even think what happened next. I was so bogged down in those details. And so, yeah, I've been kind of trying to talk that we have a local group and I've been talking to people about, you know, marketing. You need to start thinking about it now. Yeah. I talked with a man the other day, just one-on-one. -on -one. He had been to my marketing class and asked me, can we, can we talk? And um, I asked him, you know, about his website. He said he didn't have one. When should he get it out? And I said, well, today, um, <laughs> You know, as soon as possible, I said, but absolutely positively three months before your book comes out without a doubt, like the earlier, the better, but, but the very latest should be three months before your book comes out. So you've mentioned to me that in this local marketing class that you're doing, it's pretty much geared to um, people that are in the process of writing or their books coming out soon. Right. But what, but what you've been sharing is your own personal experience and the tools that you've been using in the last yeah. eight months. Right. So I think that what I've been doing works. It works even if you did what I did, which was nothing beforehand. It still works. I just think it works better if you get started earlier. You know, books don't have, they don't expire like milk. You know, no. so once it's out there, it can keep being out there. It's not yeah. like, oh, well, it's been six months. That's the end of that book, you know. Um, so, so you do pre-launch, launch, and a relaunch. Exactly. So yeah. there, and you can just you can just keep it going, right? Yeah, but but for, but for me, one comes out. And yeah, so but for me, I didn't do the pre-launch because I didn't know. Yeah. And really the launch itself was sad. Because once again, you know, I put it on my Facebook that had, you know, my handful of close friends who knew I had a book coming out and it didn't, it didn't go anywhere or do anything. And then slowly I started getting on podcasts and slowly I started getting some reviews come in and, and it's been kind of trickling in over eight months. Now I'm very thrilled. My book has now sold over a thousand copies. And so I'm just, you know, yay. I mean, you know, that's like one of my first goals was to get to a thousand copies. I know, and, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, so it's working. I just feel like if I had known, if I had put all of this energy this time last year into the book before it came out in January, I'd be in a different place today with it. Yeah. But, you know, we can play the what if game forever. I didn't. I didn't know. I can't beat myself up. You can't know what you don't know. Right. But now that I know I'm kind of anyone who will listen to me, I'm telling them, don't don't put it out too fast. It's better to to hold two or three months and get some of these things in place. And what do you need to get in place? You need to get some reviews in place and some editorial reviews. And you need to get, you know, as many pre-readers as you can who are willing to put reviews up on Amazon the day that the book drops. And you need to, you know, get on podcasts and have podcasts lined up. And you need, you know, you need you need to do like contests beforehand. I have a contest happening. Um, I have, I have a um, newsletter now. I only have 225 people, but eight months ago I had no one. So I look at the, you know, but those 225 people are going to be given an opportunity because they're on my newsletter to 
share the cover. I'm giving them the cover a day early to share the cover on the day that I release the cover to let me know they did it and they can win a free copy of the book. Okay. I won't ask you to release it early with this podcast though, because we're no. way too soon. Way but too soon. <laughs> so now having, uh, now that you've shared that, I want yeah. everybody to go to www.terrybrown, sorry, Terry, Terry M. M. So yep. T-E-R-I-M-B-R-O-W-N.com and sign up for her newsletter. Absolutely. Yeah. There is a beautiful website there and it says right there coming soon an enemy like me. And it just, you know, there's also a free uh, exclusive list, the 10 historical fiction novels that you've never heard of that will bring you to tears. So sign up. There's all kinds of goodies there. And there's also a trailer and some wonderful, um, a wonderful information there. Look at that. You've got a uh, historical fiction company, highly recommended award. Very good for you. Thank you so Fantastic. much. Yeah. So definitely go and do that. Now, is there anything else that you, besides the fact that you absolutely have to be the best self promoter there is when it comes to promoting your book, what else would you like to share? I think that for people who are kind of like on the fence of like, should I do it or shouldn't I do it or can I do it? You're never going to know unless you try. Get started wherever you are, whatever it is, go ahead and get started because you're, you're never going to become if you don't make that first move. So, you know, a year ago, I was not a published author. And now I have my second book coming out and I have a third book in my head. And I actually now have a fourth book in my head because something happened the other day that gave me another idea. And <laughs> I think that, you know, it's so easy to, to wait. Well, I'm waiting for the right time or I'm waiting for the right class or I'm waiting for the right, whatever it is you think you're waiting on. And, and I recognize that there are times and seasons in life and whatnot. But the truth is, is you're never going to become whatever it is that you want to become unless you get started at it. And so if you want to be a writer, then you need to get started. And if you want to market your book, then you need to get started. You need to start learning. Learn now. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. don't wait. Yeah. Those are Terry, the things that I would you. tell people. <laughs> oh, thank you so very much. I appreciate that you took the time to be a guest of ours today and I absolutely look forward to releasing this episode. Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed myself. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Finally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Looking forward to your next book. Thank you. <laughs>